Welcome to another episode of No Filter. I'm your host, Anna Kasparian, and boy, do we have a show for you today. We are going to respond to one of my former colleagues in the B Block today. His name is Dave Rubin. I've discussed him on the show recently, but I want to elaborate on some of the criticisms I had for Rubin on this show and give you some insider details that I think you'll all enjoy. But before we get to that, we are gonna have a discussion about something that was very controversial last week, and that was the cover of Forbes magazine. So let's get right to it. It's rare to ever hear good things about millennials or young people in general in the media. Millennials have especially dealt with harsh criticism over the last several years. Here's one millennial who has a parakeet with nine million followers on Snapchat. Here's another who single-handedly started the hashtags that canceled 12 network TV shows she found offensive. And now I'm told she identifies as a man, so I'm being fired. They're accused of being entitled and narcissistic, and self-interested, unfocused, lazy. <laughs> but entitled is the big one. Millennials aren't buying houses or cars or even getting driver's licenses in the same way that previously did. Uh, first, I'd like to not thank you for hiring me because I just expect good things to happen to me without working for them. Second, I'd like to give you all a list of my trigger warnings. What's a trigger warning? Actually, brah, asking me what a trigger warning is is one of my triggers, brah. I feel traumatized, bruh, and now I'm tweeting about you, bruh, and now you're trending, bruh, and now your life is ruined, bruh. Now experts say millennials are also to blame for the decline of casual dining venues like Applebee's and Buffalo Wild Wings. I really love Family Guy. Okay, but to be fair, there is a publication that finally had some celebratory coverage regarding a young person's achievements. She was even applauded as a savvy businesswoman and a self-made billionaire, but there's just one problem. Yeah, the person being celebrated on the cover of Forbes magazine is Kylie Jenner. And while she may be savvy in using her celebrity to market her product, it's a bit of a stretch to refer to her as self-made. The Today Show has more on how she built a successful makeup line. She grew up in the spotlight and drew controversy when she used lip fillers at just 15. Your lips look amazing. Really? Yeah. Kendall said they were too big yesterday. Are you talking about her lips? Mm-hmm. Plenty of celebrities would have shied away and not spoken to the press and stayed out of the public eye. What she did was think about how to turn this into a very smart business. Capitalizing on all the attention, she launched her first lip kit in 2015, and it sold out immediately. Since then, Forbes says the company has sold more than $600 million in all kinds of makeup. If that growth continues, Kylie Jenner could beat out Mark Zuckerberg and become the youngest self-made billionaire ever next year when she's 21. Okay, so I'm not sure if Forbes knows this, but the vast majority of people aren't reality show celebrities with enough exposure to catapult any given product into an overnight success. While it's admirable how Kylie used insults about her lip injections as a marketing tool, she needed a platform to make this all happen in the first place. Now, uh, dictionary.com got a little salty about this on Twitter and decided to define self-made as having succeeded in life unaided. Kylie's sister, Kendall, has previously addressed the critics who she feels minimize Kylie's business success. My little sister has an insane business and anyone who says they don't want their kid to be like that and have an insane business at 19 and literally like be like so successful is insane to me. 
So is it all insane? Because I couldn't tell if she thought it was all insane. Luckily, there were examples of legitimately self-made businesswomen on the Forbes list. Now, uh, take a look at Huda Katan. Uh, she is the daughter of Iraqi immigrants and used to work in finance. But after getting married and settling into a career path she disliked, she decided to pursue a beauty blog to share her passion for makeup. Her billion dollar cosmetic line became a success because she cultivated a massive following of 26 million people online. And she did it organically. While I love that we're hearing stories about young people succeeding as entrepreneurs, it would be Awesome if the media did a better job covering the unique economic hurdles that younger generations are struggling with today. Every generation has its share of the lazy and entitled. But to use those insults as generalizations about America's youth is ridiculous. Now, according to the US Census, among 25 to 34 year olds, more than one third have a college degree or higher. And just compare that with less than one quarter in 1975. That doesn't sound lazy to me at all. But even with all that education, Pew Research found that in 2016, an estimated 5.3 million of the nearly 17 million US households living in poverty were headed by a millennial. Many of them are struggling due to student loan burdens, coupled with less earning power compared to previous generations. Vice Money found that when adjusting for inflation, the average cost of yearly tuition at public four-year colleges in 1989 was about $3,500. For young people now, it's about $9,500. And according to CNBC, on top of carrying most of the $1.4 trillion in student loan debt, their wages are lower than their parents' earnings when they were in their 20s. A study by the Young Invincibles found that boomers who earned a degree but didn't have any student loan debt earned over $13,000 more than the same millennials today. So student loan debt has gotten so bad that True TV has created a game show out of it, offering people a chance to wipe away their debt by answering trivia questions, essentially turning student loan debt into a game. Despite having more debt and earning less money, young people in America also have to deal with outrageously high housing prices. Business Insider found that the value of homes has increased by 73% since the 1960s when adjusting for inflation. And student loan hero mentions that millennials buying their first home today will pay 39% more than baby boomers who bought their first home in the 1980s. So while the media celebrates Kylie Jenner and applauds her work, I would hope they also consider what the average millennial has to overcome in order to achieve financial stability. I'm not asking the media to be overly kind or generous in their coverage of us, but I am asking them to do their jobs and report what the reality is for the vast majority of people. We'll be right back. Welcome back to No Filter, I'm your host, Anna Kasparian. A few weeks ago on The Young Turks, I addressed my former colleague, Dave Rubin. He was someone I considered a close friend for years until he completely blindsided me with his anti-progressive TYT bashing world tour following his departure from TYT Network. For years, I avoided addressing his lies on air. To be honest, we were such close friends that I thought things would somehow get better. But I made the mistake of thinking he was an honest actor and that the TYT bashing would stop, but I was wrong. I noticed that he had this habit of inviting someone on his show to say 
the most controversial things, and he would never challenge them. And that was an ongoing pattern. Mike Cernovich, Milo Yiannopoulos, and other questionable characters made regular appearances on his show, and Rubin just let them say whatever they wanted without any pushback. Now, to be clear, I'm not opposed to interviewing these people. Joe Rogan has all sorts of controversial people on his podcast, and I find it fascinating. The difference is that Rogan sometimes engages in the conversation and doesn't let people go unchallenged. Rubin had found a way to profit off lying about TYT in addition to providing a platform for the alt-right. So I finally had enough. He was lazy when he worked here, he's lazy now with his ridiculous show where he proves time and time again that he doesn't know anything. And why do I know he's lazy? Why did he really leave the Young Turks? Can I please finally tell the truth about why he left the Young Turks? He wanted to make a six figure salary to host a 30 minute a week show when everyone here, you know, cuz we work for an independent news company, was getting paid far less while working 12 hour days. That's why Dave Rubin left the company. And now all of a sudden he's getting fun by the Koch brothers, and all of a sudden his opinions are very different. He has no political identity, he is not an honest actor, he is not an intellectual, he is a fraud, plain and simple. It didn't take long for critics to accuse me of throwing stones considering TYT secured some investment money last year. But the glaring difference is that no one at TYT underwent a complete 180 in their ideology after securing the funding. Investors have no editorial control. You might disagree with my views or think my presentation style is too progressive or aggressive or unsavory at times. I think those criticisms can be valid and it's my responsibility to learn and do better when I'm wrong. But my motivation is to do the right thing and tell the truth. I know better than anyone else that sometimes I make mistakes, but I can confidently say that my political views are never influenced by a profit motive. That same cannot be said about Dave Rubin. He has partnered with Learn Liberty, which is funded by the Koch brothers, in addition to Prager University, and boom, he's suddenly a libertarian thinker. My accusations about him being lazy are evident in his lack of intellectual curiosity, which translates to a level of ignorance on a wide variety of issues. And before you keyboard warriors start furiously accusing me of ad hominem attacks, I have examples. Here's Ruben stumbling and bumbling on Joe Rogan's podcast. The government doesn't do anything good. Right. Name one problem you could possibly have in your life, Joe Rogan, that you'd be like, "Get me, get the government to solve this." Do they do the post office well? No. What, like, what do they do well? They do the post office pretty good, actually. But guess what? If the post office <laughs> closed tomorrow, it would be all right. You'd still get mail. Get, it would Amazon suck. would pick. No, it wouldn't. Amazon would, have to would pick send that things up through UPS. It would cost a lot more. It wouldn't though. Competition would start kicking in, and between UPS and FedEx and Amazon and drones and blah 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 mm. and DHL, they'd all start. It would probably drop prices mm -hmm. because right now we've just got this artificial thing that sits there that then allows them to price according to that. Wow, that was pretty incredible. Amazon isn't its own shipping company and is able to offer its quickly shipped products anywhere in the country because of a contract it has with, say it with me, the USPS, otherwise known as the Postal Service. According to Bloomberg, the USPS is charged with delivering to every home and business in America, no matter how remote. And they can only charge what Congress allows. Increases in price require approval. 
Since the USPS ships packages and mail at affordable prices, that actually lowers the cost of shipping for businesses like UPS and FedEx because they have to compete. Rubin made it seem as though getting rid of the post office would lower prices for its competitors. But even without Congress controlling prices, getting rid of the post office would get rid of competition. That would not lower prices, and remote parts of the country wouldn't get packages shipped to them. Anyway, it didn't take long for Ruben to contradict himself on the same podcast. So I have three chickens right now. We had, I'm gonna give you a good UPS story. We ordered them, they were born in August on a Monday in uh, Cleveland. They hatched that day, they threw them in a box with a little hole, USPS, and they showed up at my door in LA on a Tuesday. The USPS has been doing that for about a years. It's the days. only way you can do it, by the way. You can't order chickens through any other method. Okay, look, libertarians can make some smart, thought-provoking arguments time to time, especially when it comes to foreign policy. I feel like they deserve someone more knowledgeable than Rubin to represent them. Because quite honestly, that was embarrassing. Here's another gem from Rogan's podcast. Do you want the government to tell you how to do all these things and all the regulations that you gotta have your electric thing this far from this and like all well, the, the regulations like that for construction are important though. You do have to make sure that people don't do stupid shit. But make but sure you don't have a power line near a water line. You, you, there's a lot of- But I would put most of that on the builders though. They wanna build things that are good. Now I get it. Oh, I get, that's not true. Listen, people no, cut, no, people are cut gonna corners build. all the time. Like you have to have regulations when it comes to construction methods they, or people are gonna get- they cut regulate. They cut corners when there are regulations. Anyway, they do. They would cut a lot more if there weren't regulations. I'm not totally. If you go to third world countries and look at construction methods. They're dangerous. Yeah, that's why schools collapse on kids in foreign countries sometimes. Ruben purchased a newly constructed 1.5 million dollar home a few years ago. Turns out, selling your soul has its advantages. Perhaps he's not worried about his property collapsing, but the building codes that he's complaining about will prevent shoddy electrical wiring from turning that 3,000 square foot home into a pile of ash. Ruben also teamed up with the ultra conservative Prager University and continued cashing in on spreading lies and propaganda about progressives. Progressives used to say, I may disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Not anymore. Banning speakers whose opinions you don't agree with from college campuses, that's not progressive. Right, banning speakers isn't progressive. In fact, multiple progressives have condemned banning speakers on college campuses. The progressives here at TYT, whom he claims to dislike for being anti-free speech, have discussed this multiple times. But Ruben will never admit that because he's a one-trick pony who keeps trotting around the country with the same tired talking points. Guys, I had conservative professors, I had liberal professors. It's okay, it's okay. Look, I'm an agnostic. I have never ever wanted to shut down a religious person from speaking. You can't say no to Ben Shapiro. Like, yeah. you know, like you don't agree with Ben Shapiro, I, but you gotta let the guy, the guy gets to speak. There's no question that he gets to speak. I don't even care about having Ann Coulter. Yeah, I, I don't Ann really Coulter either. is deeply unpopular, right? Like deeply unpopular. So let her go share her uh, deeply unpopular ideas. Using the reactions of college students to generalize about progressives is pathetic and also insanely dishonest. He's also dishonest about how much he values free speech. Last September, he spoke about free speech at Harvard. And in that same month, whistleblower Chelsea Manning was removed as a visiting fellow at Harvard, precisely because of backlash from the CIA, a government agency. 
So this is the perfect Dave Rubin story. Free speech, college campus, government pressure to stifle free speech. It has it all, but silence from Rubin. And that's just one example of silence from Rubin. Because if he can't profit off of crying about free speech, he won't speak about it. Then there are the more ironic claims made by Rubin. The battle of ideas has been replaced by a battle of feelings and outrage has replaced honesty. Kind of like your dishonest outrage about the left supposedly hindering your speech rights. Think about it, he's made a career out of being outraged over the outraged. Rubin often projects and accuses the left of doing what he does on a regular basis. For example, according to Alex Klein of the Daily Campus, Rubin declares that all decent people must fight extremes by judging people as individuals and not as groups. And then in another video, he states, it's official, leftism is a mental disorder. Political commentator David Pakman even called him out on it. You said in an interview with Ben Shapiro, um, that liberalism is basically a mental disorder. What did you mean by that? I, I don't think I said liberalism. I might have said progressivism. It's not surprising to me that he goes back and forth. It's not surprising to me that he lies and spreads propaganda. It's not surprising that he has completely flipped the switch on who he is as an individual and what his political beliefs are. And all I ask is even if you disagree with me politically, that's fine. I wanna have that conversation. I wanna have that discussion as honest actors. But if you are someone who considers yourself libertarian, consider the fact that Dave Rubin is a public figure who represents you and he doesn't actually genuinely believe in your ideology. And he's going around the country embarrassing you and misrepresenting you. He's getting funded to do it, which is how he was able to buy that pricey home. I think it's time that we all expect better and we demand honest actors when it comes to political discussions and political debates. We'll be right back. Everybody. Welcome back to No Filter. Before we go, a lot of bad stuff happened over the last week. But rather than dwell on that and you know be worried, let's focus on things we can do better this week. Now, uh, Congressman Paul Gosar of Arizona. Uh, so many representatives embarrassed us, and uh, they embarrassed themselves during the testimony of FBI agent Peter Strzok. But you took it to the next level, Representative Gosar, while explaining how you have this day job that gives you these superpowers. This morning I watched, I, by the way, I'm a dentist. Okay, so I read body language very, very well. And I watched your comment and actions with Mr. Gowdy. You got very angry in regards to the Gold Star father. That shows me that it's innately a part of you and a bias. What? You're a dentist so you can read body language very, very well? What the hell are you talking about? Are you sure you didn't mean I'm a dentist so I can fill cavities? Or how about I'm a dentist so I can make things excruciating for everyone around me? Because that would actually make sense. For those at home wondering if Gosar's comments went over better in the room, I'm gonna play it again. Just watch the reaction of the guy overstruck shoulder. It's amazing. By the way, I'm a dentist. Okay, so I read body language very, very well. And I watched your comment and actions with Mr. Gowdy. He literally starts shaking his head. 
Congressman, I don't know if being a dentist helps with reading body language, but it sure helped you get your foot all the way into your mouth. And it doesn't stop there. Dr. Detective Man then tries to explain the nuance of our democratic process. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. That is why we have um, uh, two ways, both from a democracy uh, voting and then from the uh, uh, where we have the uh, electoral college. So make the sure that we. The get time of the gentleman has expired. Oh, you're a congressman. You should know how our country works. You made a mess. Take it from me, I'm a dog owner, so I'm very good at knowing when someone has an accident on the floor of the house. But Paul Gosar, don't worry, because we can do better this week. All right, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed No Filter this week. It's a show that I genuinely love doing, and I really hope you love it as much as I do. And I want to give a special thanks to Angel and Sloan for their research. I want to thank the producers, Dan and Brett, and the crew, Arthur, Jesus, Skip, Edwin, Annie, Irma, Bart. See, I can't do this all by myself. I didn't build this myself. Anyway, guys, have an awesome week, and I'll see you next week for another episode of No Filter.